next door neighbors, Willow and Lillian, spill the tea on murder, mysteries, and other things that go bump in the night. So get your favorite teacup ready, and let's get into it. Welcome to Cruelty Podcast. This is Lillian, and with me is Willow. Hi. 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 This week was an okay. It was okay. Girl, this is the last episode. I know. Of Monstrous Mother's Month. Murderous Mother's Month. Murderous Mother's Monstrous Month. Monstrous works also. Yeah. But I, I like murderous because they all do murder, and I don't want to like keep with the trope of women are monsters. No. And they're all crazy. No. Although. Unfortunately, this one is about uh, this. This episode's really going to be a lot on mental illness. Yeah. And as I've said many, many times, I'm not a psychologist. The diagnoses I will be talking about in this episode are all get, been given by doctors. Right. Whether we agree with them or not is sort of irrelevant. Uh, I'm not going to argue with them because I dropped out of high school. So, right. yeah. Um, this is, of course, I'm talking about Andrea Yates. Mm-hmm. Now... I've listened to a lot of documentaries, a lot of podcasts, and everybody feels the same way, and it ain't nice towards Andrea. Um, if ooh, you're go- if you feel that way, you're going to really disagree with my take on it, and I don't care. That's fine. Um, but maybe listen and kind of try some empathy on, you know. Try see, it on. See how it fits. See how it fits. Because Andrea is just as much of a victim as her children. I'm not saying it makes it right. No. Obviously not. Yeah. But when I speak about diminished capacity, this is a very good example. Mm-hmm. I'm going to immediately trigger warning this episode. It talks about very, very difficult things. Um, sensitive mental health topics, topics of self-harm, eating disorders, and of course, ch- harm towards children. And if you are bothered or triggered by any of those things, please do not listen to this episode Mm -hmm. because I'm not going to shy away from it. I'm going to try and treat it as respectfully as I can, but it's, this one's rough. That's why I saved it for last because yikes, it hurts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I'm going to take a different path on this because most podcasts save one that I listen to for research um, and documentaries really focus heavily on the on the act of murder itself in this case. Right. And go they go into like some pretty horrific detail. I'm not. Not because I'm shying away from it, because I don't think that's what's important in this case. And I'm not saying the deaths of children are not important. Right. I'm saying there's no need to linger on the vulgar details because that will then you'll get lost in the swamp instead of seeing the things that led up to it. And the 4,000 cries for help. It's really frustrating. Mm -hmm. So on that note, I'm going to get into it right away. Mm -hmm. Okay. On 9 9 a.m. on June 20th, 2001 in Houston, Texas, Andrea Yates, who was 36 at the time, was sitting at the kitchen table while four of her five children watched cartoons. Her husband, Rusty, was at work, and he worked at NASA as an, in their engineering department at the time. Sometime between 9 a.m. and 9.45 a.m., Andrea went into a guest bathroom. She called her children to her one at a time and drowned them one by one, all five of them. Noah, the oldest, age seven, tried to run from his mother when he realized she had killed his siblings. And I think that's the worst part. Abs- <clears throat> Excuse me, absolutely terrifying. Oh, my God. I can't imagine. I didn't know that. I didn't know that it was one by one in the same bathtub. Yes, it was. I knew it was one by one, but I didn't know that, like, they were all in there. They weren't all in there, but I'll get into that in a second. I'm going to skip around a little on the timeline. That's fine. So why did Andrea do this? What made her kill her children? From all accounts, Andrea was a loving mother. Was there anything that could have been done to prevent this horrific tragedy. And the answer in this one is, um, yes, lots could have been done, but it wasn't. And we'll see time and time again how her husband failed her, her religion failed her, her family failed her, and how the system failed her. Repeatedly. This isn't like a one-time thing. It was her entire life. Andrea Pia Kennedy was born on July 2nd, 1964. She was the youngest of five children. 
Her mother was a German immigrant who had fled like the Nazis and her father's parents were brought up in Ireland. She was raised in a deeply Catholic home. And I'm going to tell you, this is where the internet indoctrination started. Another trigger warning. If you're a religious person, you're going to be offended by some of the things that I'm going to say. I was going to bring that up at the beginning with all the other trigger warnings. Well, there's another one. Mm -hmm. And I will include this in the description so people can click away. I don't, it's not my goal to offend anyone, for starters. My husband was raised Roman Catholic. But I have, I feel, a perspective on that. I was raised with zero religion, by the way, Mm -hmm. to my betterment as a human being. Um... I've seen firsthand what religious abuse has done to people, especially my spouse, who to this day cannot do or say certain things without immense horrific guilt and pain. Mm -hmm. And Andrea always felt guilty and ashamed. Always. Always. She was an exceptional and bright student. She graduated high school valedictorian and was president of the swim team. She went to the University of Houston to become a nurse Andrea was noted as being exceptionally shy. She didn't date until she was 23 years old. Whoa. And she only ever dated one man. Whoa. She was that shy. Painfully shy. Painfully. Andrea put immense pressure on herself all the time to succeed. She graduated from nursing school in 1986 and went on to work at a cancer hospital. And y'all, that is intense. That is is people dying on you all the time. And they need a lot of care. She was a very good nurse also. She had a very nurturing personality, even if she was reserved and shy. And she worked there until 1994. And this is kind of a cute story about how she met her husband. And, you know, in a lot of these cases, we don't kind of reflect on any of the nicer moments in the person's life. But I think it's important to, they're human, you know, just like we are. I think it's important to note these two, so I'm going to relate this little story. In 1989, she knocked on Rusty Yates' apartment. They lived in the same apartment complex and asked if he knew anything about who might have dinged her car. She had like a little ding on her car and she wanted to know if he'd seen anything or maybe if he'd done it. But this was just a ruse. Her car didn't get dinged. She was just trying to talk to him because she thought he was cute. Oh, no. That's so I found it very sweet also. That's like the one thing that she could think of because she's so... Shy. Mm-hmm. Shy. And, and he was he shy, too. kind of naive, too. She is very naive, yeah. yes. Very susceptible to being led. Well, that's like your first thought was, what lie can I come up with was... Somebody, somebody dinged, dinged my, my car. car. Yeah, yeah. The, I would never think of that. I would, I would definitely... No, I was... I'm not a shy person. No. I'd just be like, hey, want to fuck? Nice shoes, you <laughs> nice know? Nice God. And she'd done this because she had seen them around, thought he was handsome, couldn't literally think of any other way to approach him. Mm. And he was similarly similarly charmed by her. Once while she was in a swimming pool, he called her a goddess. He thought she was very beautiful. Mm. Now, another hot take. Rusty really, really loved her. And a lot of people want to pass the buck. But he was raised extremely religious, too. I was about to say that. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Mm -hmm. And I'll I'll get to what I think about that. Yeah. It wasn't long after they started dating that they decided to move in together. Soon after they started dating, Rusty introduced Andrea to two of his friends and religious mentors, Michael and Rachel Waranicki. Rusty had met them on a college campus where they frequently went and preached to students, which barf. Rusty had been raised Nazarene and then Methodist, so he was already very indoctrinated himself. While the Warrenickies were non-denominational, they were definitely extremists in their beliefs. They were missionaries, too, and don't don't fucking get me started on how much I hate missionary work. Mm -hmm. It's not work. Mm -hmm. It's indoctrination and colonization. Yes. It is going into people's cultures, not knowing anything about it, telling them they're going to hell, and then saying Jesus is the only way. Yep. And this has ruined lives... For thousands of years. Abuse would be a nice way of putting it, yeah. Yeah. But I'm I'm not going to go off. I'm going to calm down. Because we got a lot to get through. Don't get me started. I won't. 
The preaching style was very fire and brimstone and theatrical, very over the top. Mm -hmm. They started a riot in Casablanca where preaching about Jesus is illegal. Warrenicki was arrested and forced out of the country. And this is just to give a little background of this fucking clown. Even if you don't agree with a country and culture's laws, you don't get to go into that country and break them and think you get special treatment because you're a white Christian man. Period. That is the most American thing. That I've ever heard. The mm-hmm. entitlement is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the reason they have those laws isn't because they hate Christians, so put your persecution complex down and get off the cross for five seconds. It's because of missionaries. Yeah. Period. Yeah. They're trying to preserve their culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the fucking hubris. <laughs> the Warrenickies thrived on controversy. Wernicke preached that one had to get alone and seek the living Jesus, whatever the holy fuck that means, in order to be born again. Meaning he's... <laughs> this get alone thing... Get alone Is it something seek. about the humility of being in debt? And, like, he, he preached that you had to lead a really humble lifestyle, but he was always bilking his followers for money because that's what it always amounts to. Yeah. And they were also, now while they weren't the Quiverful movement, they really cherry-picked from it. And if you want to know what that is, that is the belief that Jesus said, like, having a Quiverful of sons and daughters made you strong, and you should have babies until you explode, or whatever. So they really believed that part. Is that you should be fruitful and multiply. Not... Because the amount of children you have means that you have that many more, quote unquote, seeds upon the earth to spread the word of God and all. Exactly. Now, I want I'm going to take a brief aside because a lot of shit's been going on in the world of politics. The school shooting, which I can't talk about. I'll scream and cry. So I don't want to. This is this podcast is in part education and entertainment, and I can't with that right now. There's nothing to learn from it. Let's put it that way. Nothing. Senseless violence. Um, but if you want to get an idea of how the religious right thinks, the Warrenekis are a really great example of this. For example, what they want, subjugation of women, women in their place. You will see that in this case, it's part of what drove Andrea to do what she did. Woman, women is at home pumping out babies. Mm-hmm. Man, go to work. Mm-hmm. The pumping out the babies is not good for anyone's health, and I don't no. care what you believe. They won't even allow dogs to have too many litters. Like No, okay. it'll kill them. Yes. God. Yes. So first we take away the abortion rights. Then mm-hmm. we go after your birth control. Mm-hmm. And because the LGBTQIA community isn't breeding enough for them, we get we go after them next yep. as degenerates. So we we minimize them as humans. We lower their humanity so that when we want to do things like put them in education camps, nobody raises an eyebrow because they're cockroaches, right? We want to keep people of color poor and uneducated and in high areas of crime. Why? So we can further make them into monsters too mm-hmm. and continue to enslave them for profit. Mm-hmm. Women and people of color are slaves. The end. Women are broodmares, and everyone else has got to make the wheels of progress grow. Part of the Quiverful movement is the idea that they can outbreed us. They can outbreed progressive people. There won't be enough of us to outvote them because oh, they've made so many of them. God. How do I know this? Y'all, there's plenty of hidden camera docu- documentary footage of them saying this shit. So you can go listen to it for yourself. Yeah, not no, making I can, it up. I can already hear it in their southern gospel fucking fire and brimstone and bullshit. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I mean, I was raised Southern Baptist. I mean, I. What's I, next, you may in, ask? In Northwest Arkansas, right alongside the Quiverfuls. Like. Well, we have the Duggars here. We have here. the Duggars here. And. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Douchebag Duggar got 12 years. Not bitch. enough. I know. Because they said the child porn he was looking at was infants and it was violent. So just let oh, that it was, sink the It was the in. worst. Child it could be porn there the was there is on the planet like yeah. he was looking at the worst the vilest thing you can yeah. imagine you can't imagine i can't yeah. but whatever sick fuck yeah 
So the next phase of this plan, because they're already doing pretty good on all phases of their fucking plan. But the next phase is to take away public school. If public school is such a terrifying environment for your children and they offer private schools and everyone can afford it because we're paying for it with our taxes, they're just going to privatize the schools instead of public. They're now private. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. That means it's got bars on the windows and it's got religion in the books. And that means science and critical race theory and actual history are gone. And it's further indoctrination to make your child brainwashed, wage slave for the industry of their money. The end. And if you are right leaning and listening to this and you're mad, good. I just don't give no fucks no more. I am not going to be polite. Y'all aren't polite. You tell me I'm a sensitive snowflake. You tell me to cry more and get triggered. I am triggered. I'm not crying. I'm screaming. I'm screaming. And it's not little poo poo tears. It's blood and fire. And I'm pissed. And if you're a left-leaning person, you're a progressive person, I I hope you're on the same page. Something has got to give or we're going to be in big fucking trouble, y'all. Big trouble. Back to the case. I love you. I love you, too. (laughs) Yeah. So in early 1992, when they were living together, Andrea had a lot of guilt, which any good Catholic would have because they weren't married and they were living in sin. And I think in order to keep Andrea, Rusty proposed that Christmas and married her in April of 1993. No one should feel pressured to get married. No one. Marriage is so that your husband or wife or partner can make a decision for you if you're incapacitated and you don't want your shit fuck family to do it. Everybody deserves to get married, but I'm not going to get on that either. Because Andrea had had sex with Rusty out of wedlock, she refused to wear her wedding veil over her face because she was no longer a virgin. That's how deep her shame was. Jesus Christ. Mm Mm-hmm. A poor thing. It's not real. It's not real. Or it'd be for men, too. But it's not. Right? It does not impact your value. Your body count is irrelevant unless it's fucking impressive like mine. And then you get a little slut badge. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, I needed it. It's okay. A little levity. Whew. So they bought a nice four-bedroom house in Friendwood, Texas, and only a couple months after the wedding, Andrea was pregnant. It was here that the Quiverful movement starts to rear its ugly head. They announced to family and friends they were going to accept as many children as God would send them. And this is the beginning of the end right here. And that is the Waranecki's influence mm-hmm. over the AIDS. And especially mm-hmm. over Andrea, who was exceptionally susceptible to any sort of religious indoctrination because of her mental health issues, which we'll get to. Right. Andrea continued to work through her pregnancy because she loved her work. But she stopped after Noah was born in February of 1994. Y'all, it is hard to work when you're pregnant. Especially when you're big pregnant. <sighs> yeah. I did it three times. I never could. <laughs> and nursing is so physically demanding and stressful the job not breastfeeding although that too right. but can you imagine like lifting patients and doing all of that hard work big pregnant no because she did it up until she delivered the baby yeah no yeah it feels dangerous to me and given what we now know about andrea's mental state i'd say she was probably struggling even then it's here where you're where you're going to get some conflicting contradictions about whether Andrea wanted to return to work or not. Her friends said that she did. She really loved nursing, like I said, but Rusty claims she expressed the desire to be a stay-at-home mom. And y'all, I support either choice because they're both really f- hard fucking jobs. Yeah. Working for the man sucks. Raising babies is thankless tough work. So don't get me started. See, like, I was fortunate enough in being able to stay home with all three of my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I did take breaks here and there to work when times were really tough. But after John was born, especially, my grandfather stepped in and supported me. Not my crap husband at the time. He was a big piece of shit. Um, so it was a big privilege that I have. Because I think being able to stay home is a privilege. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Living it right now. But it was my fucking choice. Mm-hmm. And I want to stress that. Yeah. You have to wonder if Andrea was really given the choice or not, because I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think Rusty put immense pressure on her, along with the Waranikis, to stay home with the kids. She even said to friends, I would go back to work, but Rusty really wants me to stay home. 
She was very intent on pleasing her husband and being a submissive wife. Yeah, because that's that's in the book. It's in the goddamn book. Yeah. I would really like that book to go away. I was thinking in the shower earlier about how... <laughs> I don't know why. This is a shower thought. But I was like, this is just like one big book club that I just don't want to be a part of. And I really want this book club out of our government. Like... That'd be cool. That's all but that's it never is. gonna fucking that's happen. All it is is a fucking. And even book the club. founding fathers, who they just love to talk about all the live long day, like go suck their dicks or something. They didn't want it in the government either. Yeah, that's why we're here. Ben Franklin, who we just covered, loved gay people just fine and was like really freely sexual and really progressive. I mean, he didn't like women. That, that but you know, fuck. Uh, those were the times. Uh, there's still the times, I'd like to point out. Uh, but yeah, our founding fathers were uh, trash bag people who wanted a free society. Well, we don't have it, and they didn't get their way. In December of 1995, they had John, their second son. Rusty's job moved into Tampa, Florida, and they moved into a trailer home. It was a big adjustment from the spacious four-bedroom home they were in in Friendswood, Texas, and when they got back to Texas in 1997, Rusty wanted to continue living light and small and humble. So he bought a motor home from the Warrenickies when they visited them in Miami. Whew. Now, when I say motor home, I mean 350 square foot fucking bus. Mm-hmm. And we got a family of four crammed in there. Mm-hmm. This is going to tank Andrea's mental health. Yep. The Warrenickies, when they visited in um, the Yates visited them in Miami were very critical of their lifestyle. They thought that Rusty worked too much and cared too much about money. They frowned on his success in his career. The Yates were too worldly for the Waranecki's tastes. They accused Rusty of basically abandoning Andrea and that Andrea was lonely. And that might have been true to some extent. I think she would have been happier if the kids were in daycare and she was working and she felt more like she was contributing financially. Right. She didn't have to because Rusty made quite a bit of money at his NASA job. Right. But she loved being at work. She loved caring yeah. for people and she loved but that was too friends. worldly and she wasn't being submissive. Wasn't having enough kids. I think the Warrenickies were je- jealous of their financial success. Yeah. And they wanted to sabotage them. Well, Rusty was just like, eat my ass, no. And they had a big falling out. Rusty quit contact with the Warren really? entirely, but Andrea did not. Well, I mean, she is sheltered. She doesn't have any friends. She doesn't. No, she doesn't. There's no social really. media. You know what I mean? Like, Mm-mm. that would be her only friend out She basically. still talked to them up until her arrest. Back in Texas, like I said, they're in a 350-square-foot bus with their kids. It is stressful. There's no privacy. And the motorhome itself had a lot of problems not disclosed by the Waraneckis when they bought it. And so Rusty was super resentful and pissy about it. So nobody likes this place. It's not home. Mm -mm. It's a horrible claustrophobic burden that's always breaking. I lived in one of those. I know what that's like. Nightmare. Yeah. In 1997, their third son, Paul, is born. A family of five in a 350-square-foot home. In July of 1998, Rachel Waranecki wrote Andrea that she only had a small window of time to get right with them and with God, or Satan would take over their lives. And because of the way Andrea's mind works with her mental illness, this started creating really terrible delusions based around religion and Satan. And so Andrea starts having a really, really hard time. That really spiraled her really bad. It's kind of a turning point. That's what that's what the religion's all about. The pressure of raising three kids, the delusions, the cramped living quarters. She was just on a fast track yeah. for a mental breakdown. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The one thing that Andrea really glommed onto was the idea that bad mothers who are going to hell raise bad children who are going to hell. This was something preached by Michael Waranecki frequently, who believed the role of the woman was directly influenced by the sin of Eve. So women are evil because of Eve. Y'all, I don't know. Maybe it's a made-up story. Maybe. Maybe it's an allegory for other things. Variating. Maybe it's just a story. But the Waraneckis preached literal Bible interpretation, which is impossible because we don't have correct translations. If you're using the King James Version, it's wrong. If it didn't get translated directly from the Aramaic to the Greek to English, you're not getting 
the actual Bible. It's full of things English kings wanted to change to suit them. Just saying. Rusty and Andrea's family started growing concerned over her obsession with these teachings and how literally she was interpreting the Bible. Luke, the fourth son, was born in 1999. Man, she is barely getting a break. It's just one after the other after the other. Isolated, sleep-deprived, breastfeeding every two hours, plus looking after three rambunctious boys, Andrea lost it. Yeah. She called Rusty on June 16th, 1999, and begged him to come home from work. When Rusty arrived home, he found Andrea in the back room of the motorhome, shaking involuntarily, her fingers bleeding because she'd been biting them, and I don't mean her nails, her fingers. She told Rusty she needed help and badly, but he did not know what to do. So he took her out for some fresh air. I don't know, it's just so pitiful to me. And when that didn't do anything, she just didn't improve, he took Andrea to her mother's house. There, she took an overdose of trazodone pills that had been prescribed to a father who had Alzheimer's. She took 50. And y'all, I was prescribed trazodone after my car accident to help with my PTSD and anxiety. That is a no-joke drug. Uh, it really reacted bad with my epilepsy, so I had tons of seizures, but I could barely stay awake on one. I can't imagine taking 50. Her mother found her and rushed her to the ER, which saved her life. Andrea told the intake nurse that she didn't want to die. She just wanted her misery to go away, which is just so pitiful. Mm-hmm. Andrea had lost 10 pounds, had no energy, wouldn't make eye contact with anyone. She was described as evasive when asked questions about how she was feeling. After a week in the hospital, she was released and diagnosed with major depressive disorder. She was prescribed an antidepressant, Zoloft. Doctors said she was high risk for suicide or harm to others. I want to talk about Zoloft for a minute, and this is the research that I've done. I didn't research all the medications she was on because it's a lot, but this first one, y'all... People with suicidal ideation and Zoloft do not mix. No. and But this was during, like, Zoloft hadn't even been out that long, I think. Mm-hmm. And so... Did they get sued from this case? Do you know? No. They did get sued from other cases. Especially giving it to teenagers is a super bad idea. Yeah. It causes violence and suicidal ideation. Mm-hmm. It caused suicidal ideation for me. I was about to say, I was on all the antidepressants, and yeah, was none too. of them were good. Not a good one. SSRIs are not even proven to do anything. If you are listening and you are on an SSRI and it helped you, I'm really happy for you. Yeah. I am not drinking Drink extra water medication. during the summertime. Yes, please. It's, please drink extra water. Susceptible to dehydration. And don't do vitamin C? Is that the one that... Uh, I believe that's with ADHD medication. Okay. That and Diet Coke. I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor. I'm just... Citric acid uh, in anything does not mix with ADHD medication okay. like Ritalin and Adderall. Okay, that's what it is. Yes. So, it's not found out until after her arrest, but Andrea was bulimic and suicidal in high school. And you will see both of these things yeah. pop back up. Mm-hmm. She was completely unable to deal with any sort of failure, Though it had previously been thought it was the birth of her first child that gave birth to her mental illness, it's clear she has a background of issues. The thing is, is she kept all this to herself because that would be admitting failure, which she just couldn't stand to do. And she couldn't express her needs. She just absolutely couldn't because of the shyness and her guilt. Socialized, uh, assigned female at birth people Mm -hmm. uh, mask. She did that very well. She lived to take care of others as a way to avoid herself and what she perceived as her own failings. Mm -hmm. Rusty wouldn't admit that it was major depression. He said it was postpartum depression because he hoped it would fucking go away. Like it would poo-poo off and go away. Yeah, oh, here in a couple months she'll be just the baby Who cares what type of depression it is? It's Because it was shameful. It was shameful. I hate it. Yes. But shortly after her stay in the hospital, she was nearly mute and catatonic. A social worker called CPS about the conditions of the home and Andrea's fragile mental state. The kids were not being well taken care of because Andrea was overwhelmed. But nothing was done after a visit from CPS. Andrea was just sent home with medication. Zoloft is an SSRI that increases serotonin, which is thought to play a role in depression, but there is no studies to support this fucking claim. We shouldn't be giving brain-altering drugs to people if we don't know what it does. 
Yeah. Studies have shown that Zoloft can increase homicidal and suicidal thoughts. And with Andrea being so non-communicative, it was hard to say whether this helped her or not. I must say it did not. Yeah. Three weeks later, in her parents' home, she's found holding a knife to her throat. She begs Rusty to let her die. Andrea, being fed nonsense by the Warrenickies, was having psychotic delusions that were based on religious doctrine. Mm -hmm. The Warrenickies were preying on a vulnerable, mentally ill, isolated woman. Mm -hmm. At this point, she was refusing to take her medication and was refusing to feed her children. She thought they were greedy and gluttonous and they were eating too much and it was sinful. Her own past with disordered eating may have contributed to this delusion. Yeah. She thought there were cameras watching her in the ceiling and that characters on TV were talking specifically to her and her children. She told Rusty about her paranoid hallucinations, but neither Rusty nor Andrea told her psychologist that she was having these. I had a lot of those weird paranoid hallucinations when I was on those types of things. For what reason, I can only speculate, but with Andrea, she was just too much in denial and just too delusional. Mm -hmm. She's in the grips of it. Yeah. In the psychosis. Like, she can't be rational. The indoctrination, the the mind is reinforcing it. Yeah, Yeah. it is. Rusty felt helpless and just shrugged it off, assuming medication would make her better. Denial heaped upon denial. Mm -hmm. Rusty took Andrea to the ER again when he found her with the knife to her throat. She saw a new psychologist. Here she was given a different medication. But she'd not been really taking the Zoloft regularly, and the antipsychotic she'd been given, she'd flushed down the toilet when she learned it was an antipsychotic because she said, I'm not psychotic. Yeah. She definitely was psychotic. Yeah. When she got to the ER, she was completely catatonic. She would not speak. It was here later when she started getting a little better. She began talking about how she feared that her children were going to be failures her delusions so far have been mostly about her own failings, but now it started focusing on the children. Because which, of her failings. Because of her failings. Yeah. So she believed they were destined to go to hell because she was a terrible mother. Mm-hmm. Here her diagnosis expanded to major depressive disorder with psychotic features recurrent because this was her second episode that required hospitalization. I think at this point, leaving her alone with the children or even leaving her alone was cruel. Yeah. Yet that's precisely what happened. Absolutely. She was also diagnosed with postpartum psychosis because of her visual and auditory hallucinations and her paranoia. It's very, very common with postpartum psychosis, which is an uncommon disorder. And I'm going to leave links, you guys, because our audience is mostly female. Um, or identifying as such. Mm -hmm. And if you are a person with a uterus who is pregnant or considering becoming pregnant or just had a child, please visit these links. Postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis, though both rare, are very dangerous to your health and your child's. Please get help right away. Yes, it's an emergency. Mm -hmm. You deserve good care for you and your baby. It is not shameful. It is not embarrassing. It'll save your life and the life of your child. But yeah, I'll be sure to leave links to that. She is prescribed Halidol and Cogetin, and it seems to work for her. She seemed to be getting better. Rusty seemed to think, problem solved. Right? Just everything's cool. He visited her in the psych ward daily, brought the kids to see her, brought her presents. And he really, everyone thought that he was a good and doting husband. And in in his capacity... You know what I mean? Right. But like she was doing better because she was in a different environment. That I believe entirely part of it. That the stress was taken away. Yeah. Duh. She could not cope. Yeah. With all those kids in that tiny, tiny living space. With the other support adult not ever being there. That Mm -hmm. job was exceptionally demanding. Yeah. After 19 days, she was discharged to a hospital transition program. She would spend the next 11 days at the hospital during the day and she'd spend her nights at home. As she was undergoing this treatment plan, Rusty and his mother thought more space would help Andrea. Thank fucking God. So he bought a three-bedroom house. He parked the motorhome right outside the house, and I don't know. I just think it was so triggering for her to look at it. Mm. That was her prison. That's where she went crazy, you know? And just to see it in the yard every day, how scary. Well, and, and to be reminded, like, I couldn't cope, so they had to buy a whole new house. You she's know? in the aspect that like her mental aspect is that she is 
demonic at this point. You yes. know what I mean? She's evil. She thinks of herself as a terrible, terrible person. She didn't deserve this house. And that's where it all came from. It all started there. Yeah, she's she very became demonic by. there. And that's going to be her... Yeah. Yeah. Reminder. Doc- Dr. Starbranch, I just like that name, her psychologist saw Andrea regularly. In August of 1999, Andrea expressed the desire to get off all of her meds because she wanted to have another baby. The doctor cautioned both Rusty and Andrea very strongly that having another baby was likely to see the psychosis return along with the delusions and hallucinations. She strongly, strongly advised that they never have children again. No. And they should have listened. Yes. Especially Rusty. God fucking damn it. Yeah. This is where I'm pissed at him. He loved her and wanted her to be happy. And I get she was really insistent and really strong-headed. She was. Mm Mm-hmm. She's t- promised him she was better. But dude, mm-hmm. look, it happened every time mm-hmm. she had a baby, every time. And I get I get it. Our bodies tell us. They tell us. They tell us to have more kids. Our, and our bodies are stupid when they say that. Mm-hmm. We know better than that. And, and just to tell you, if you're a woman and you never experienced the desire to have children, that's fine too. I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm jealous. <laughs> or a person. A person, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I understand. I understand that completely because I have the exact same thing that happens every single day. Andrea was clearly in a state of diminished capacity and needed her husband to help her make good decisions. And he didn't. He let her decide this. Yeah. But remember, she is still being brainwashed by the Warrenickies. They send letters just every week. While she continued her monthly appointments with her doctor, she'd gotten off her meds. And abruptly, these are not meds you get off abruptly. That in itself can cause psychosis. She told her doctor she'd been off of them since November of 1999. She wanted to remain off of them unless the symptoms returned, something Rusty agreed with. And it was a recipe for disaster. The thing is, is I get it. I get where they're coming from. These are both very well-educated, smart people. Mm. They are successful people. And she is better at this point. The hallucinations and stuff have stopped. She just thinks, well, the medicine worked so well that if it starts again, I can get right back on it. But that is not how it works. And we're going to see how not only this is where the system begins to fail, Andrea. Uh, Rusty's failing her right now and her family. They should have gotten them kids far, far away from her. Mm-hmm. She is dangerous to them and herself. Yes. I think she's demonstrated that. Oh, absolutely. Thoroughly. Yes. In August of 2000 was the last time she saw Dr. Starbranch. In winter of 2000, Andrea confessed to a friend that she thought she was possessed by Satan and that Satan was the cause of all of her previous backgrounds, just like you said. Mm -hmm. She said she couldn't wear her crucifix and that she had thoughts of harming others and harm somehow befalling her children. I think she was trying to confess she was thinking of hurting her kids. Yeah, absolutely. She was very frightened and clearly having paranoid delusions again. On November 30th, 2000, Andrea gave birth to her daughter, Mary. Less than four months later, Andrea's father passed away from complications from Alzheimer's. Andrea loved her father and had been very close to him, and his loss shattered and devastated her. It also sent her on a complete, terrible downward spiral of grief and delusion and psychosis. Mm -hmm. Coupled with not being on her meds and the hormone fluctuations of just giving birth. Just giving yeah. birth. And the stress of all them kids. And the sadness, the overwhelming sadness. She is such a sad That you person. just gave birth to a child that's never going to know their grandfather. Yes. Somebody who's important to you. At this point, I think it's safe to say she's completely in crisis. Yeah. And that her husband fails to see it just shows how much he was sticking his head in the sand. I'm not going to crucify this guy because I... There's a lot of ignorance here. Well, and also, like, we tend to forget because quote-unquote, men have to be strong or whatever. Um, He's terrified. But he's also indoctrinated. Yes. He has also been brainwashed. Yes. He is also under the pretense that, like... It's going to be okay. The medicine will fix her. Right. It did that one time. Right. It didn't. Right. It just kind of doled her out. Well, We'll get to that in a minute. And that God is going to take care of it, too. you got to remember that there's this underlining, like... God will give it to God. Give it to God. Yes. Yes. We're going to give God the finger and kick him in the grundle. Yeah. Just saying. I'm just going to take care of my own life is what I'm going to do. 
Rusty called Dr. Starbranch, who recommended immediate inpatient treatment. Mm -hmm. But because the facility was 45 minutes away, and because of his work and needing someone to look after the children, they opted not to put Andrea in an inpatient facility. This is a fatal mistake. And one, in my opinion, Rusty is completely responsible for. Don't give a fuck if it ain't convenient. Was there not any other family members or anyone else in their we'll life? We'll get to that. It just is all too little too late. This whole story is too little right. too late. She had an appointment on April 2nd to see Dr. Starbranch. And on March 28th, desperate, Rusty is calling local psychologists seeking help for his very ill wife trying to get them to prescribe her old medication, because remember, she'll just take it again if she feels bad. Right. And he wants them to do it over the phone, and they said they refuse They refuse to do it without seeing her. Yeah. And She's fragile. So he's like, okay, well, then we'll get her in. They were booked for weeks. This is where we run into the system failing Andrea, repeatedly. Because, look, I'm sorry, normally you shouldn't over the phone, but sometimes it's goddamn emergency. Yeah. They should have given her the fucking medicine. Gonna save those babies. On March 30th, Rusty's brother Andrew came to the house to help. He took Andrea to a treatment center to admit her, and this one was one that was closer to the house. Andrea, however, refused to sign a consent form for treatment. She's not well. No. A police officer tried to file a legal document that would allow the treatment facility to hold Andrea without a warrant pending an examination. This was going involuntary commitment, right, basically. Right, right, right. The next day, Andrea was nearly catatonic again. The longest sentence she spoke that day was, I am not a good mother. Honey. It's so awful. Just torturous. Torturous. Breaks my heart. Oh, my God. This woman is just being tortured. Well, and I, I, I can't help but feel for her because I was brought up in Christianity, and I, too, was basically taught that I was a terrible mother and a terrible person. Mm-hmm. You know? At... At the bedside when I gave birth to my first son at 17, a woman from church came up and said that I should have just kept my legs closed. That's nice. You know, and so I just, I really feel for her. Yes, I do. I had some postpartum depression after my second, and I didn't have nowhere near psychosis, but y'all, I'll tell you, I was fucked up. It messed me up. I've definitely been, had my fair share of deep, dark depression, psychosis, and all kinds of mental illnesses. Mm -hmm. Um... Man. God, it's the most Man. lonely feeling. I just feel for her so I know. And when I listen to these documentaries where they're just talking about what an evil bitch she is, I'm just like, y'all no. did not study this case then. No, that's what she thought she was. Susan Smith's an evil bitch, y'all. Yes. The freezer yes. mom's an evil bitch. Casey Anthony. Evil bitch. Evil bitch. Yeah, they're, they're sick, but they almost reveled in the harm they caused. The freezer mom, I think she was extremely ill as well. They all are. Yeah. But, I mean, there, there's a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference. She wasn't going out partying. There's vindictive evil, and then there's this. This is this an is evil. Not, this, this is, is not. desperately this ill. This is ill. On April 4th, Rusty, his mother, and five children visited Andrea at the facility, but she was receiving the wrong treatment. She was in group therapy for alcohol and drug addiction because it's kind of all this facility what did. The- and that was not, obviously, the problem she was having. Oh, my skin is going to come off. I'm so angry right now. Oh, it's fucked up. Yeah. The hospital wasn't designed for her issues. No. I mean, it's good for treatment of that, but not what she had. On April 10th, her chart showed she was making progress. She denied having suicidal thoughts, though she was. Rusty was shocked the hospital planned on discharging her so soon. When he saw her, she looked fucking terrible. She would not eat or really drink any water when she was really going through it, and she was just a skeleton. Yeah. Yeah. Andrea agreed to attend a post-hospitalization treatment plan, and she was discharged on April 12th, mostly because her time ran out and insurance wouldn't cover any more time. Right. Here's the system just fucking her over and killing those kids. Andrea, after one day at the, like, post-hospitalization treatment, didn't want to attend because it focused on substance abuse, which was not the problem she was no. fucking having. Rusty called to get her, you know, out of the program because he agreed that it was stupid and a waste of time and it was not helping her. In fact, it was kind of making her worse. And so they discharged her from it. They put her on Effexor, even though Halidol is what had been helping her delusions. Effexor is 
Y'all, ooh. Affects her as a whole nother kettle of fish. She should have never, ever, ever been put on it. Never even heard of this one. It is it discontinued? I mean, is that what no? Oh. I've been on effects, sir. Oh. Um, ooh, racy thoughts. Uh, because she had very low affect when she was depressed, so they kind of wanted her boost her up. She wasn't very expressive, no, and that is not that no. made it all just amplified. No, 10, just because she's not worse. speaking words does not mean that she's not thinking thoughts. Yes, Jesus, she couldn't talk because she was overwhelmed. Yes. And overstimulated. So and this is going to spin her cookies. It spins her out super bad. Oh my god. Super bad. It didn't I'm help. So and she me. started to decline rapidly at home. Her medication could have increased suicidal ideation. Again, I'm not an expert. I'm not going to get into all of it. But this one does, just like Zoloft. It didn't help her and wasn't the right medication. She was forgetting to feed her children, going catatonic, having hallucinations. She was re-emitted to the same drug and alcohol treatment center on May 4th. And this hurt more than it helped. It wasn't the right place for the problems she had. Her new psychologist didn't contact Dr. Starbranch, a gross oversight. What the fuck? On May 14th, she is discharged, referred to the same day program for addiction. Her new doctor didn't think she was psychotic or having hallucinations because he hadn't talked to the previous fucking doctor. Who gives these people their stupid little plaques? He didn't think Halidol was appropriate. The doctor said she should be weaned off the Halidol, and there was no backup plan. The Halidol was all that was keeping her major delusions at bay, and the doctor really, really, really fucked up. He's also responsible for the deaths of those children. Absolutely. On the next appointment, Rusty expressed concern that she was declining again and that he was worried. Andrea lied and said that she wasn't having delusions or suicidal ideation, but she definitely was. The doctor believed her over her husband, even though she had a history of lying about her mental health and being in deep denial. Andrea says she doesn't like the new doctor and said she thought he was sick of seeing her face. So here she is desperately trying to get help. She's trying. And the doctor made her feel like he was sick of seeing her face. He said to her, I can't really help you unless you have a better attitude. <gasps> to this depressed, mentally ill, struggling I hate this woman. Man. I don't even know this man, but I hate this man. I'm leaving his name out because I hate him so much. You can Google it. I'm really restraining myself right now. Mm-hmm. I'm mad. On a very high dose of Effexor, her depression got worse. He up, he like doubled her dose. Hate. The doctor then lowered the dose suddenly when it was clear it wasn't helping. This sudden change, instead of gradual tapering, may have made her far worse. That's speculation, though, and I'm not a medical medicine specialist. No, Effexor just... does increase suicidal ideation in people who are prone to suicidal ideation. It can cause irritability amongst a whole host of things she clearly didn't need. It wasn't the right medication for her. On June 20th, she had been off medication for two weeks. Rusty gave her a dose of Effexor before he left for work. When he left, she was sitting at the kitchen table eating cereal out of the box his mother was due to come watch the children and help Andrea at 10 a.m. Shortly before 10 a.m., his cell phone rings at work. It's Andrea. She says, you need to come home. And he's like, why? What's the matter? She goes, it's time. And he's like, what do you, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And she just repeats herself. She says, it's time. Rusty noticed that her tone was flat and strange, like when she's, you know, having an episode so he immediately left the office. On his way out, he called his mother, Dora. Right before he left, he told her to hurry. She was still at her hotel room. He called Andrea back and asked if anyone was hurt. She said yes. He asked if it was the kids. She said yes. He asked which one, and she said all of them. Andrea had called 911 before calling Rusty. And it's a very small clip, so I'm not going to make producer Will put it in here because it's hard. I will be linking it. But when you listen to this call, her voice is completely flat. She can barely talk. She can barely get a word out. But they do send a police officer for a wellness check because she did mention she had children. Andrea met the officer at the front door. Her clothes were wet. Her hair is hanging in her face. She was flushed and breathing heavily. She looked bad. He asked her what was wrong, and she just told him, 
I've just killed all five of my children. She had laid her children out on her bed and covered them with a sheet, four of them. And they were laid all together. And it, it's just really sad. It's very, very sad. Seven-year-old Noah was found floating face down in the tub. She drowned three-year-old Paul first. She placed him on the bed. Then she drowned Luke. John, excuse me, then Luke, putting them in the bed. Mm -hmm. The baby was crying the entire time. She drowned Mary. She left Mary floating face down in the tub. And when Noah goes into the bathroom, when he calls her in there, and he's seven, remember, he sees Mary floating in the tub and he asks what's wrong with his sister. And she grabs at him and he tries to run away. Baby. She catches him and drowns him too. And she said it was very difficult because he was strong. She left him in the tub. And I just want to say, this is a gruesome part. So if you can't handle it, click away, click away. But the tub water was filthy with you know, excrement and mm-hmm. urine because that's what happens when people die. And that's what her children drowned in. She believed because she was a bad mother, it would send her children to hell and that time was running out and that she had to kill them before they got any older so that they could go to heaven. She believed Satan was after her children and to her, this was saving them. Andrea was arrested. She was put in solitary naked on suicide watch. She begged her hair be cut so she could see if she had the mark of the beast. She was completely delusional. She spoke of a prophecy and kept hitting her head with her hands over and over. She wouldn't elaborate on the prophecy, but said she could have just killed Mary to fulfill it. A psychiatrist seeing Andrea in jail said that Andrea was the sickest woman she'd ever treated. Yeah. Andrea has since been diagnosed with bipolar, schizoaffective disorder, schizophrenia, major depressive disorder, and postpartum psychosis. Rusty divorced her in 2003, not because he hates her or was even mad at her, but because he wanted to move on with his life. And it was on the anniversary of his children's death. He remarried, and seven years after the deaths of his five children had another child, he still stays in touch with Andrea. Her controversial trial lasted three weeks, and the jury found her guilty of capital murder. But rather than recommending the death penalty, they voted for life in prison. In 2041, she would have been eligible for parole. The jury repeatedly refused the death penalty. Good. Yeah. In 2006, a Houston jury of six men and six women found Adria Yates not guilty of murder by reason of insanity. Thank God. She was recently up for release, but requested to remain locked up in the mental health facility. Yeah. At least she's in a facility. Well, I'm, I will tell you I'm... this, and this is the saddest fucking part. When they got, when she was admitted to the facility, they gave her medication for bipolar. And she, all the delusions are gone. And she's sane. And now has to live with what she did. There were times in prison that she didn't know her children were dead. So when people call for her head, it just, it just pissed me off since day one. Yeah. Because when I, you know, followed this case and I was a kid, like, you know, I was a very young person. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. I just thought, how can anyone not see how sick she is? This is just a very sick woman. Right. The stigmatization of mental health in this country is nuts to me. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. It's not, it's. If the, you're not bleeding on the ground, you ain't sick. I know that's 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 that was gonna be my point. Is like we will treat broken bones. We will go to the ends of the eight. Like we will go so hard into cancer research and all of this stuff. But we don't even know if Zoloft works. But we just keep feeding it to people. Exactly because we don't care what happens to people's brains. What the fuck? Oh, and we'll just pray it away, okay? I'm just so tired of it. I'm so tired of people's mental health not being looked at. I'm going to say in 99.9% of these fucking cases, mental health would have saved all of these fucking people. Every single one of them. Every single one of them. Except your hate crime assholes. I don't even think I'm just beyond. I don't know. I don't know if if I don't think that you I think can... I think racism. Oh, it it's very close to a fucking disorder. I don't. 
You know what I mean, though? I don't like, understand it either, I but I think it. a lifetime of indoctrination and the need to, and entitlement that cishet white there, yeah. people feel. Mm-hmm. There's no medication I can think of that would... There's no that. disorder for that, just a lack of fucking empathy and human goddamn kindness. Right. And I don't think you can get a pill for that shit. I think they need to get knocked down every fucking peg and suffer. Because I get, you know, they say suffering's divine. Because it makes you feel what it's like to be in the other person's shoes. Mm -hmm. It gives you empathy. Which is clearly what these motherfuckers lack. I don't know, y'all. It... Yeah, this one this one really hits because it does. We can all relate. I think absolutely. We've all struggled, absolutely. especially if you're uh, a person who's had children. Yeah, absolutely. I I have a very loving home life right now, and my children are wonderful. Yeah, but I even have times of extreme overstimulation, and you well, know, and I have and I have youth. one toddler and a teenager. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I have nothing compared to what she's going through. I am not indoctrinated. I, I want to point know, out like, something that people aren't going to agree with, but I I don't care. How strong she was! How she she, she every time so she hard. had every time she had a baby, she got postpartum psychosis. Yeah, and it went on that long. That long. She tried really hard. She tried really hard and she really loved him. And in her mind, this is the only thing that would save him. Because she thought she was doomed. Yeah. It was because of her and her sin that her babies would die. So she tried to protect them the only way she knew how. And had those... The Warrenekis should be in jail. Fucking cunts. Yeah. Yeah. And it it should be like a similar charge, like um, convincing somebody to commit suicide it's a very similar yep. act. It is yeah, similar. Very similar. Those babies would be alive if those motherfuckers hadn't warped her brain. And if people... Because it's not like she denied... She asked for help repeatedly. And Rusty eventually reached out for help on her mm. behalf. Repeatedly. And because of the system, she was denied that help. And five innocent yeah. sweet little babies died. I think the med- the American Medical Association should be held responsible for a lot of things. They're not going to be. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. It's so depressing. But they've got blood on their hands and yeah, they sure I'm do. tired of it. But they don't fucking care because money, 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 money. And it ain't their blood, so. Exactly. Well, they'd sell their own blood down the river if it's got them a buck. You can rest assured. Yep. I'm telling you, when the dollar talks in somebody's mm-hmm. life, it that's Satan. That's the devil. Yep. If you want to look for it. Well, anyway, that that was a cheerful show. Girl, I hate... I'm not going to say that I hate this case. I just... It's important. It is very important. It just... It makes my blood boil and makes my skin peel off at how angry I am. For her and her children. Those Mm -hmm. doctors... Dr. Starbridge was the MVP here, but like... How the fuck are you going to get an MD... And talk to somebody like that. And and then prescribe them the wrong medication. Exactly. And then it is gross them to malpractice. drug gross rehab. malpractice. Fuck you. Yep. Fuck you, to put it eloquently. And Rusty, I'm glad you got to go on with your life and have another family, but you shouldn't have left those babies alone with your wife, and you are culpable and responsible. A thousand percent. Mm-hmm. And thousand I know you're going to live with it. Yeah. And if you ain't going to pay for it now, you will Those later. were your children too, bitch. Yeah. Makes me mad. Makes oh. me a little mad. I'm not going to give it to him too hard because you watch any show where he's talking about his children. He's devastated. But, dude, you could have prevented it. Yeah. For real. So, uh, I don't feel like doing business time after this You episode. got the links. You know where they are. They're down there. Uh, additionally, I'm going to do one because I know that we have a lot of podcasters listening to us. Okay? Yeah. And I want to just brag on Buzzsprout a little bit. Yes. They're an excellent host. Because and a lot of people do listen to us that want to do podcasts as and well. And they ask me, where do I get hosting? You know, and I've in the past referred people to other places, especially if they were free. So is Buzzsprout. You can, like, upgrade your plan, which is what we've done. Right. And y'all, the support. Oh, my God. Amazing. And, like, just the reach, like, like on Twitter... They will respond to you. They'll respond to you. And like, and like, send you gifts and like tell you, like, not gifts, but like gifts. You know what I mean? They actually talk to you. They actually talk to you you person to person. Yeah. They congratulate you on every little milestone, every little thing that you do that you accomplish for your podcast. Buzzsprout is like, 
Fuck yeah, we dude. got you. Hell yeah. Congratulations. And it makes you feel so good. So if you're thinking about podcasting and you're looking for a big company that treats you like, like they're a small company and kind of gets to know you, celebrates with you, and helps you out. And if you're looking for a lot of really great features, like they have something called like Mastering, which is where Magic Mastering, where you can go in and pay a couple bucks and it makes all your episodes smooth like butter. Yes. Sounds so yes. good. The so, software yeah. is super helpful and friendly. And There's going to be a little affiliate link in the description for this. Mm-hmm. And it helps support this podcast and it'll help get you going. Yep. If you want to make your own. And I encourage you to do it more podcasts for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. But they're a great, great company for indie podcasters like us who mm-hmm. are still small potatoes. They're but wonderful growing. People. We're growing. And of course, you still have some time before June 1st to join our Patreon. Patreon.com slash cruelty. We're giving away a little gift package for everybody who becomes a patron before that cutoff date. We'll keep doing gift packages, so don't fret if you can't. Right. But our Patreon's rad. It's so I'm just fun. saying, you get show notes, mm-hmm. you get an extra episode every week that's exclusive to patrons, etc. That's all the business time I can stomach, though. We love you guys. We'll we see you soon. We do love you. Thank you for or, the continued yeah. support, for all the shares, for all the sweet messages. We really appreciate you. And I want you guys to please take care of yourself and your loved ones. Mm-hmm. Look after your mental health mm-hmm. and get help if you need it. There's going to be links. You're important. You're important. Mm-hmm. And you deserve it. That's right. We love you. Love you. Good night. Find us on your social media platform of choice. Linktree slash cruelty has all of the links. Check out our Patreon for exclusive episodes, merch, ad-free episodes, live ghost hunts, and much more. Please be sure to subscribe. New episodes are uploaded weekly. Thank you so much. See you next time. Music and production by Willie B.